Hey, welcome everyone. I'm Don Newton, host of Open Air on KPOV 889 FM, High Desert Community Radio in Bend, Oregon. Airing Wednesdays at 5 p.m., Open Air is a weekly one-hour entertainment talk show featuring conversations with authors, local youth, entertainers, sports figures, and more. She's a real woman with a real life. She's someone you can relate to. Open Air with Don Newton. Welcome to Open Air. I'm your host, Don Newton. My guest today is Cy Wakeman. She's an international leadership speaker, a drama researcher, podcast host, best-selling writer, and consultant. She's here today to talk about her new book, Life's Messy, Live Happy. Things don't have to be perfect for you to be content. She says that by the time we become adults, most of us have joined the religion of suffering, which preaches that unless circumstances are controlled, life will be a mess. Cy says it's all about not cleaning up the mess around you, but learning how to move through obstacles more skillfully to remain happy. Cy Wakeman, you are a drama researcher, international leadership speaker, and consultant. We're talking today about your latest book, Life's Messy, Live Happy. Things don't have to be perfect for you to be content. Thanks for joining us today. I appreciate the opportunity to talk to your audience about the new book. Well, tell me, it just made me laugh. A drama researcher. Tell me about that. How did that get started? That was um, kind of an accidental career was born. I was involved in my master's degree and I was working in healthcare. And I uh, had a new medical record for physicians that we were rolling out. And the physicians were telling me this is going to take them longer. It's going to ruin their lives and they won't spend time with patients. So I'm very fact-based. And I thought, well, I'll just study. We know how much time it took them to transcribe, right? We pay by the minute. I'll just study if that's true or not. So I put an observer in physician rooms and I had them have two columns, one column how much time does the physician spend with the patient? And then second column, how much time did they spend putting things in the medical record? And within minutes, I mean, hours, my staff came to me and they said, we need to change the research project. We need a third column. And I said, what third column? What would you put in it? And they said, well, we keep track of the physician spending time with the patient and the physician spending time with the computer. We need a column it's the biggest column, is how much time does the physician spend complaining about the patient or the computer? (laughs) And I said, that's fascinating. Two and a half hours a day, the average person spends in what we call drama, emotional ways, being miserable when they don't have to, 816 hours a week. This isn't pain that is caused from the outside. This is suffering that's self-imposed. And I thought, what a wonderful place to help people. Two and a half hours a day they can recapture by learning how their mind works and how the world works. Because I came out of a counseling background. I'm like, I can help people with this drama. They don't have to be as miserable. They can go through the day, same day, more joyfully, less misery. We humans, we are such interesting creatures, aren't we? Aren't we? Yes, <laughs> we are. And nobody really talks to us when we're young about, like, how to be a human. Like, don't believe everything you think. You're the observer you know, not necessarily the thinker. Like, there are some things in this book I put out there because I'm like, so many of us join the religion of suffering when we're little, and we think that our well-being is, has to do with our external circumstances, and we defer our happiness 
you know, oh, when this is over, I'll be happier, or when I retire, I'll be happier, or when you can just be happy right now. Right. We we base so much of our identity and our happiness and our success on so many external things. How did that get started for us? Where does that come from? You know, I think it comes from, you know, we pass down unexamined lives because we hear, I think our parents were like, mom, what's wrong? And she's like, well, your dad did X. Instead of a proper answer would be, I'm judging your father right now. And when I judge people, I feel separate and feel unloved. Right. So, I mean, we pass down this unexamined life. Um, we also, you know, if drama is emotional waste and the way to clear up waste is good processes, emotional waste, which is drama, cleans up with good mental processes. And a whole lot of us just don't understand how our mind works. You know, we, we grab onto a lot of examples of how people outsource their well-being. They blame their circumstances or other people for their state of happiness. Well, then defining happiness too. How do we, when some people say, well, how do I know if I'm happy? When we get asked, are you happy? <laughs> hey, Sai, are you happy today? Yeah. Or... Yeah. yeah. And, and what are those markers? And in the book I talk about, I'm not just talking about a feeling of happiness because I don't want people to bypass their feelings or have like some toxic positivity. Just this general state of optimism and contentment that we have to, you know, cultivate on a regular um, basis. So much of what we're taught, like I talk in the book about heartbreak and grieving and death and dying and loss and how we can't prevent that. That's going to happen in our lives. Obviously, we're going to lose people to death or to, you know, break up. So instead of trying to prevent that or live in fear of that, what if we got skillful at heartbreak or grieving? And the role models we see sometimes don't show us an accurate view of the whole um, perspective. Um, we lost, uh, we've lost many people in our family, but one of, right before COVID, we lost uh, our 15-year-old nephew to a car accident. And he was a great fisherman, and he taught all kinds of kids in our neighborhood to fish. And his mom was at my house, and she was looking out over these little boys fishing on the dock, and she was smiling. And I remarked on her joy. I said, that is so incredible, isn't it? All these boys that Drew actually taught how to fish. And the minute she caught herself happy, she stopped and she got sad again. And she goes, it, it doesn't honor him to, you know, have joy. I need to remember that he's gone. And we're taught to grieve that you can't have both. Like so many people teach us, you can only have one feeling at a time. I'm like, well, what if you can have joy and heartbreak at the same time? That leaves a lot more room for happiness because I can be content and have a dilemma on my hands I'm looking to learn more about. And I talk in the book a lot about the power of a word like and. And opens us up to a lot more happiness because we can be happy and struggling. We can be content and still sad we lost somebody. A lot of times when we're in either or, we give up happiness because we think we can only be one thing at a time. You touched on something too, learning to feel our feelings. I, I can speak from my personal experiences when I was growing up, and it wasn't until I got into adulthood and adulting and a parent that I didn't know that I had feelings, you know, or that I was allowed to express them. It's like, well, I don't know what I'm feeling because I was never encouraged or acknowledged and things like that where you start learning about yourself, being curious about who we are. I think it's so important wherever you're at in life. For me, it came as an adult too. Like nobody was really like, you know, how are you feeling? They're like, go clean your room, right? Not that I had horrible parents, 
I put a chapter in the book on feeling your feelings, and it seems so basic. But in my work as a counselor, I see um, how unskilled we are, and our feelings have so much good information for us. I often tell people, sit with your feelings till they tell you their name. Because if I sit with a feeling and I go inside, it can tell me where I need to set boundaries, or it can tell me what I need to do more or less of, or a conversation I need to have. But a lot of us intellectualize our feelings. We think our feelings. We don't feel our feelings. If I sent you a meme right now that was funny, if you were feeling your feelings, you would laugh out loud and get that boost of brain chemicals that come with laughter and and soothe us, right? But instead, we don't feel it, we think it, we go LOL and pass it on. We are intellectualizing our feelings often rather than feeling our feelings. I think to embracing that life is messy. It really is. And that's okay. We don't want this perfect Stepford life. Yeah, I believe that if you look at our actions, we're striving for our life to be perfect. But what I believe is we just got to get good with the mess and realize that that is life, and that's where all the energy is. That If you're bored with life, it's probably because you're not willing to be out in the mess of it, where you're vulnerable and when unexpected things happen. And for me, it's the mess that is the alive, the energy, the, um, you know, just the juiciness. And for a lot of us who won't do the mess part, it is, um, it's tough because our lives seem pretty boring or draining. Who was this book for, Sai? Who needs this book? You know, I, when they asked me to write a book, they were kind of like, will you write a book to teach people how to live? And I'm like, I don't really do that. I'll write a book how I've lived. <laughs> and, um, and if it helps people, great. Um, I really think right now that this is a great book for somebody who has tried a lot of um, self-help and a lot of, you know, techniques on how to be more organized or how to live a better life. Somebody who in the past has set a bunch of resolutions at New Year's and then watched those resolutions fall by the wayside, you are not a self-help project. The world doesn't need to, your world doesn't need to be cleaned up. There's a lot of cleaning up we need to do together in the world. But this is a book that will give you strategies like immediately that you can just do subtle shifts in the way you move through the world and it will truly increase your state of contentment. Well, I know sometimes we get stuck, I know I do, where we feel like life is doing things to us. And it's like, no, 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 you've been handed an opportunity to either learn about yourself, learn about a situation, take it on, be curious about your feelings, and embrace it. That's where the growth happens. That is where the growth happens, and that's where the aliveness, we feel the aliveness. When COVID first hit two years ago, I happened to be out of the country, and I was stranded out of the country for three months. And my friend said, Sai, you can go through this as a monk or a prisoner, your choice. And it just dawned on me. I'm like, if somebody said you get a three-month sabbatical, you don't, you know, you aren't going to be working. I'm like, wow, I would consider it the greatest gift ever. But my first response, even though I write books like this, was, woe is me. I'm all alone in the world. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm all alone in the world? After raising four kids and, you know, doing a lot for others, I'm going to take full advantage. And I, I really think that that's the key. It wasn't just think positively. It was see the reality of the situation. And once I saw it, I was able to capitalize on it. And we hear a lot, or we read, 
magazine articles, headlines, things where are you living your purpose? Are you, what is your purpose? Are you happy? How to live? How do we answer those questions when we look at them? I mean, it feels like it's a test or, oh, I'm going to fail this one. You know, when people are, are like, are you happy? What I like to do is not accept the question as given, like, oh my gosh, I got to go inside and like justify my happiness. Um, you know, I might come up with a pat answer where it's like, happiness is definitely one of the things I'm feeling right now. You know, I'm also feeling, you know, um, scared. I'm also feeling, you know, a bit concerned. Or I think that just responding to what's given to you without shaping it according to your values or um, that's where you can have fun with it. Or, you know, are you on purpose? Are you living a purpose-driven life? All of those things are so, you either are or you aren't. They they lead us to judgy. I just like to help people ask other questions. Like, you know, if it has or in it, it's probably not a good question. And I like to reframe questions and, and just respond differently. The book is Life's Messy, Live Happy. Cy Wakeman, it's been a pleasure talking with you. This is your, I believe if I did my research correctly, their fourth book. And my fourth book. Congratulations. And in the work, where can we find the book and learn more about you and your work? Sure. So the book is out today. So you can... Use your local bookstore. They'll order it in for you if they don't have it on the shelf yet. Um, and, of course, you know, there's Barnes & Noble and Amazon and, and Target, all those places online. And if you want to just know more about our work, I'm at Cy Wakeman, C-Y-W-A-K-E-M-A-N, on all social media. And we have some great YouTube um, footage out there, too. Just search my name. There's a TEDx talk that talks about the three questions that will change your life. It's a good place to start. Well, again, it's been a pleasure, Cy. Thank you so much. I hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you. Hey, thanks for listening to Open Air. And a special thank you to my guest today, Cy Wakeman, talking about her book, Life's Messy, Live Happy. For more information about Cy and her work, you can visit her website, realitybasedleadership.com. Open Air is written, produced, and hosted by Don Newton. Thanks for listening to this KPOV podcast. KPOV is community radio for the high desert of Central Oregon. For more information and our program schedule, go to kpov.org.